The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 13th chapter. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from one and only true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. Looking at the temple, the center of religious life, the center of their government, really, as Jews. It was the center of life itself, and it was a beautiful temple. It wasn't as glorious as Solomon's, but Herod had expanded it. It was larger. And the temple itself is where they went to meet God. It's where they went to offer their sacrifices. It's where they went and gathered. And the disciples, they look at that and, Jesus, look at this glorious building that we have created for you. Look at that. Isn't it beautiful, Jesus? And now imagine being the disciples who are looking at that glorious building that is very strong, sturdy, large building. And Jesus goes, yeah, that's going to be destroyed. Yeah, every single stone, not one stone will be left on top of another. The disciples had to be confused and worried, a little scared. How is that going to happen? What's going to happen? When's that going to happen, Lord? To put it into your context, imagine being told, Oh, let's say back in 1970-something or 1980-something that those Twin Towers in New York City are going to be destroyed. They're going to fall down. 
It's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? How is that going to happen? When is that going to happen? What should we do? God tells us something that might even be scarier than a temple or buildings falling to the earth, being destroyed by wars. He tells us that when he returns, this whole earth is going to be renewed. It's going to be taken down, destroyed, and built back up again to be perfect again. The whole earth, not just a building, not just a temple, and not just the whole earth, but all of creation all the cosmos, every star and sun, and every moon and planets, everything will be torn down and rebuilt. We should be a little scared by that thought because that's something completely outside of our control and we're in it. When is this going to happen, Lord? What must we do? How do we prepare? What are, we, what are the signs? When, tell us, when will this be? And Jesus tells them, he says, look, all these other things are going to happen. They're just signs of it. He's saying this world is full of sin. It's crying out. And these are just going to be signs for you to be aware. And his final word to them in our lesson today, he'll say this again next week also, talking about enduring to the end. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Well, Lord, how do we endure to the end in this horrible tragedy? What must we do to be prepared? The writer of Hebrews tells us quite easily. He says, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. The new and living way he opened for us through the curtain, through his flesh. So we can enter into the holy places. We can go up to God. We can approach the altar. We can receive the body and blood of Christ with confidence. To understand what it means to have that confidence, you guys have grown up, and you understand in the church that you get to come forward to the altar. You get to come forward to receive the body and blood of Christ. That's what you've grown up with. But in the temple, in the Old Testament, only the high priest could go to the Holy of Holies to go in through the curtain to the Holy of Holies. And only once a year, and only after making days-long preparation for that. And if he did it wrong, if he was unclean, he might die. It was a scary thing to enter before the holy and living God, to enter through that curtain, to come before God and offer your sacrifices and praise. But now the writer of Hebrews says, we have confidence, we have no need to be afraid to enter before God. We have no need to fear going before God because he invites us. He's opened the way through his flesh. He invites us to receive his gifts, to receive the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. So he continues, he says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean. Baptism sprinkles us clean, gives us new life, a new heart, right? Our bodies washed with pure water, so we've got the Lord's Supper, we're talking about the blood of Christ, we've got the baptism with our bodies being washed and our hearts being sprinkled clean. And he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. What was your confession of hope? When you join this church, you stand before God and the church, and you say, I would rather suffer all, even death, then fall away from this. 
I would rather die than to give up this confession. And what is that confession? That you will desire to receive the body and blood of Christ, to hear the word of God, to gather before the throne, to have your heart sprinkled clean, to have you, uh, your sins forgiven, to endure until the end, no matter what happens out in that world. No matter what happens to your body, you will endure until the end. And now we get to the final two verses of our reading from Hebrews. After holding fast to our confession of our hope, knowing that God has invited us, knowing that God opens the way for us, knowing that God loves us and desires to be united with us, to forgive us, knowing all that, the writer then says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. How to stir up one another. That word stir up can have a negative connotation or a positive connotation. And how we stir up others really comes down to us, depends on us. And in our weakness of flesh, too often we stir up in a negative way. We get angry, we get upset. We think about the people that aren't here and we want to go rap on their door and yell at them and say, why aren't you in church? Get your butt in church. Sit down right here next to me now. I can't believe you weren't in church. That's awful. And anger can start to go out. We can start to think better of ourselves. I was in church. Why weren't they in church? Especially in this day and age with everything that is causing us separation, trying to divide us from one another, we can allow it to continue to divide us. Well, I'm here. Why aren't you? I'm giving, you should be giving. I'm serving, you should be serving. That's stirring up people to walk right out that door, never come back. How to stir up one another to love and good works. How do we stir up with love? We love them as Christ loves us. We love them. We want them to receive what we receive. We want them to hear what we hear. We want them to gather before the throne, to come through and receive the Lord's body and blood, to be sprinkled clean with baptism. We want them to receive all of that also because we know how wonderful that gift is. So that's what we want for them. It's an amazing gift. We don't get angry about it. We are each given different gifts and ways to serve and give. And we thank God for that ability to serve in the way that he calls us to serve. And we thank God for the ability others have that we don't have. So let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, to be loving and kind, to reach out and care, and to say, we miss you. We'd love to have you back with us. We'd love for you to enter up with confidence in the full assurance of faith be cleansed from your sins, that you too would endure until the end. Because then the writer of Hebrews closes it up with what it's all about, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. How much more do we need encouragement in this life? We see the day drawing near. We see the wars and rumors of wars. We see pestilence and famine and earthquakes. We see tornadoes and hurricanes. We see the earth struggling under the weights of sin. 
We see people all around the world and in our own community struggling just to make through each day. And so we want to encourage one another because that day is drawing near. We want everyone to endure until the end, not to fall away, not to, not to sit back and think that everything's going to be okay and then the faith dies like a plant not being watered. We want all who have stood here and confessed the Lord Jesus Christ to be their Lord, we want them to join with us and to continue to endure out of love. We want that for them out of a great desire for them to endure to the end with us so that when our Lord returns, we can be with them forever, forever. That is a word that I still can't wrap my mind around. You start putting numbers on it, millions of years, billions of years, trillions of years, there's no end. Forever in the joys of paradise in a world that we all wish we had now, God has promised to everyone who believes. This is what we are striving for. As Daniel 12 says, those who are wise, those who hear God's word, who rely on him, who continue to hear his word, shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, shining like our Lord Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration when he revealed himself fully, his glory fully, and he shined. You and I will be like that. We'll be shining like the stars above full of God's righteousness and glory. What we are now, we do not see, but we, what we will be will be revealed when he returns. So let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works that we might be prepared for that day so that we could endure until the end. May you endure until the end. In his name, we give all thanks and praise for that glorious gift. Amen.